you know it's episode 30, everybody? It's that time again. That time for a milestone, so we're going to do some Q&A today. Hope y'all are excited. And if you ask a question, hope we get to it. We'll see We'll see how we can do today. What do you got, like an hour in you? I think I got a little over an hour. Before I check out, and I don't want to answer things anymore. Yeah, we just started drinking, so. <laughs> so we might have an hour and a half. Watch out, people. Shit, get, it might get real. So, yeah, episode 30 of the Bonfire Sessions. Thank you for listening. We hope you uh, hope you enjoyed enough to go back. If you haven't listened to the old episodes, go back and fucking listen to them. See how we've progressed as communicators. Uh, or regressed. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> yes, and it's the first uh, It's the first recording after the on-location recording. So, if you want to know what that's all about, you got to join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Bonfire Sessions. We had a good time, huh? Mm-hmm. The last one? Oh, yeah. It was good. Oh, it was sure. good. It's fun to do those little little trips, podcast somewhere obscure, sit by a river, sit on a mountain, hold mics in your hand, hmm. see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we might have to start venturing a little further. We're going to have to at some point. Kind of running out of places to go. Yeah, we've hit all the good ones in our local immediate area, and all the other places that I'd want to go probably shouldn't be sitting around drinking. Like and, and doing other things like Woodson Bridge, Sacramento River. Oh, uh, too many people. Probably a park ranger. Yeah, uh, I ain't fucking with that. No, no, no. We like private places. Yes, we love our privacy, so we can talk privately to the people. Mm. So yes, that was a that was a good one. I enjoyed that one, and I'm going to enjoy this one. So cheers to episode thirty, my friend. Appleton. Cheers. What do they call this? Appleton Special Estate Rum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rum and Coke. Kicking it back to the old school. It's good shit. And Appleton makes a good rum. Have you had it before? Um, I don't know that I've had it straight. Yeah. It's pretty tasty. They have a couple of varieties. Some are more expensive than the others. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a cheap motherfucker. So How much was that? Yeah, 20. But it's, it's tasty. So that's what we're doing. Kind of cold up here today. Drinking rum and Coke on ice. If I really cared about you, I would have told you to have <laughs> brought a jacket. <laughs> I know. I came up here to the mountains. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was in shorts, and I found an old sweatshirt in my car. So thank God. Yeah. I might smell right now. I'm sorry if I do. Well, the listeners at home can't smell it. It's kind of windy, so it'll blow it away. Yeah, I don't notice anything. Good. Good. I don't want to ever stink in, in, in company. People's company. It's nasty. So yeah, let's get to it. We had a Q&A before. I cannot remember for the life of me which episode it was. Do you? No. 20 something? No. Towards 20? I can look it up. What do you think it is? You think it's 20? Should we do these every 10? I'm I'm actually going to guess it was back closer to 15. Closer to 15? Should we do them every 15? I like these Q&As. They're fun. So we appreciate those who we're going to read. Fuck. How do I do this? I never know how to work websites when I need to. No, older episodes. There we go. I should probably know how to fucking work this by now. Yeah, I'm going to say it was 20, but I think I'm wrong. I think you're right. 13 okay. was our first Q&A. We answered questions like, uh, what's the strange, strangest thing you ever found in the trash at work? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, which, fa- which films and bands are underrated? That was a fun question. 
and what the differences and similarities are between Christianity and Buddhism. That was a fun episode. One of one of my favorites. I like I like uh, communicating with with the listeners in some way. And we ain't about to have anyone on here as a guest, so no. So this is <laughs> as good as you get, motherfuckers. Close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. I got them listed on my phone. Uh, I know a bunch of people uh, ask questions. I didn't get to them all. So if we don't get to them next time, mm-hmm. so what should we start with first? Oh. Uh, Let's go with Meg Calvin, a uh, a new choir author, and uh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congrats to Meg and her and Miranda, pretty, pretty. Fuck, I fucked her name up. Probably. Sorry, I was on her show twice, three times now actually. The listening chair. <laughs> so I, I was on it once. Yes, you were. It hasn't come out yet, but stay tuned, motherfuckers. But. Uh, Yes, sorry if I messed your name up. But yes, Meg, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Listening Chair, has this to ask. Which philosopher's work is most helpful for those with a frazzled brain? I gotta go with Alan Watts. (sighs) Yes, you would. And why? Uh, Meditation is supposed to be all about, you know, calming the mind. And, you know, Watts was into the Eastern religions. Yeah. And he's so practical mm-hmm. in his writing, in his speaking, in his delivery. Everything is so intentional, and he doesn't waste words, right? He doesn't say, um. I mean, he, he rarely says, um. Which makes sense. If if you're in the moment, you shouldn't be saying, um. You should just uh, welcome the pauses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intentionally. No, we rush. We, when, we, when we say, um, a lot, or when we, when we, when we, when we stutter, it's probably because we're rushing. And we have to fill the void. Silence is weird. Yeah. My problem is just trying to... Well, one, I don't... Most of the time, I would just rather not be talking. It just takes too much energy. Mm -hmm. And I just want to get through my thought. And, you know, that's how I stumble over words. So you should do a podcast, since you don't like talking. (laughs) To practice? Yeah. (laughs) Is that what this is? (laughs) That's a good idea. Is this just your practice? If There's that, nothing wrong with that. But no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. That that is part of uh, why I like doing it. Yeah. It's good practice. Yeah. I think sometimes we do our crafts for ourselves. They're therapeutic or they help us in some way. Um, they can be yeah. I wouldn't say in lieu of therapy if you really need therapy, but they can be therapeutic. Well, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't limit therapy just to a therapist. No, no, absolutely not. No. I mean, there is such thing as like throttle therapy. (laughs) What's that? Oh, dirt biking. Uh, I mean, yeah, oh, sure. Just need to go out there and burn off some steam. Yeah. In the hills, you know? Yeah. It's like athletic masturbation or something like that. Yeah, so I'd have, to, I'd have to agree with you on Watts. I'd add, I can never pronounce his name. Or Richard Rohr. I Richard mean, Richard Rohr would be good. I was thinking Thich Tit, Nhat Han, the uh, yeah. Vietnamese Buddhist. I always fuck his name up. I can't pronounce it, and I've never cared enough to look how you pronounce it. Did he? Did he write something popular? Living Buddha, Living Christ. Um, That's right. Peace in Every Step. I think uh, something about anger. Uh, he's written a lot of books. He's, like Watts, he's very practical. Gets to the point. It's not an academic work. Mm-hmm. It's something that those with the frazzled brain <laughs> would probably be able to sit through and read a day or something like that. And, oh, so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there, there's that question. We're right on time. Look at this. Eight minutes in, one question down. We've solved a problem of the world. Number two, Jonathan Wilson. Is weed the devil's lettuce? <laughs> uh, technically, yes, right? I mean, it, that's what it's called. <laughs> that's one, Yeah, that's one of them, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there's a strain with the word devil in it. But, I mean, is devil implying that it's bad? Like, is it bad lettuce? Is it something you shouldn't be doing? Obviously, well, I would yeah. say no. Yeah. Are you saying the devil's not bad? Do you believe I'm in the devil? Saying, well, I mean, do I believe in a literal devil? There you go. Sorry. Does he is there a does he exist in one entity? No, I would say no. Yeah, I agree. And even if he did, it seems weird that like he would create something. Like he's a creator. What did what did he create weed out of? If it's the devil's lettuce, God made lettuce, and did the devil went in and was like, ah, I'm gonna make some other shit, and he made cannabis, and it's super evil, and if you touch it, you're gonna go to hell. Well, what do he make it out of? Is he a creator? So God's not the only creator. There's like this other creator entity out here, and yes, it only creates bad stuff. Right. I don't really know how to talk about something that doesn't really exist. I mean, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, true that. So. <laughs> but in the evangelical model of a literal creeping devil with horns and a pitchfork, maybe. I mean, I, I kind of took those as, you know, rhetorical, rhetorical questions that you just asked. Like, you know, how would that be possible within your theology? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Without good contradicting yourself, yeah. how, how could it be? How could the devil create? Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Do you think most people are thinking in that way, though? Like, teasing out what they believe and, and making sure it works? No, I don't think most people do. That's probably true. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe like 20%, 10%. Well, I would say, well, now I'll just say I, I don't think most Christians do. Christians in America. Um, no, because when you, ask, when you look at those questions, it seems... It, I mean, it would seem preposterous to continue to hold on to the belief if you went down that road. I think people are afraid of going down those roads. Like, ask questions, but not really, because it's a high-stakes game. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to be a universalist, I mean, I think one of the steps along the way is that you lose um, the, your belief that the devil, you know, is a single entity. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily so, but... Most, At least most, that's. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly don't know when I, when my thought changed on that because there was a point where I did think of them as like an angel, like yeah, you know, yeah. Thor. Um, like the Balrog in Mordor, or not Mordor. Yeah. In the mines of Moria, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Or even Sauron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or even Sauron. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't know. Yeah. It changed that. I don't, I don't remember either. I think it might have actually changed before. I became a universalist. Yeah. I think mine went after. But, I mean, everything is connected. Yeah. All, all Most ideas are in some sort of web. I think I think uh, the only universalist I know that believes in a literal devil, or still might, but maybe not, I think he's softened as Richard Murray. He's a good writer. Um, he's a good thinker. Hmm. He's someone I greatly respect in terms of the weight of his arguments and how well read he is. I think he might still have a toe in the devil camp, but it might be more and it might be, he might be out of it. I know he was hard, hard line, like there is a devil, but now I think he might have softened. So, but I think, 
I think when, when, yeah, there's probably a connection, maybe a correlation versus causation thing of universalism and believing in the devil. Uh, whether it's caused or it's correlated, I'm not sure, but there does seem to be at least correlation. Well, I mean, if I may be so bold, I mean, I think you may. I think universalism requires uh, a higher level of thinking on a, you know, conceptually. I think it takes, you know, another step above evangelicalism. I I think yeah, but and not not necessarily an intellect. But in the ability or willingness to ask different types of questions. Well, I, I think that's part of intelligence right. is being yeah. able to wisdom, maybe. Right. Yeah. I think most wise people are intelligent. Probably, there's probably a correlation there too. But yeah, it's for me. Like I would say, it's probably not an intellectual thing, but it's or a, it, in it's not a qualitatively intellectual way. Maybe it's a yeah. No, it's a quality and not a quantitative. Like, maybe if your IQ goes up, you'd ask the bigger questions. Or maybe you just, you need to ask those bigger questions, and that's on a different qualitative scale. I really... A third way of looking, non-dual. What Richard Rohr would call non-dual. To really talk about it, I would want to hash out, what do you mean by intellect? What do you mean sure. by wisdom? Yes. What do you mean by IQ? Yes. Um, I mean, they all share, you know, in most... Uh, from the same pool, I mean, yeah. at least. Um, it's a Venn diagram with a lot of overlap. Yes, thank you. No, that's good. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're like uh, you're like Jacques Derrida. This is the deconstruction of language here. This is what deconstruction originally meant. What do we mean by all these things we're saying? Well, I think it's important. Like, I don't want to talk past one another. No. Uh, I mean... No, it's yeah. absolutely... Yeah, it's vitally important. It's vitally important. So yeah, what, what do you mean by what do you mean by the devil's lettuce? What do you mean by the devil? What is the devil to you? This is going to impact how we answer a question like that. As silly as the question is, but <laughs> but it can always draw out deeper stuff, you know. <laughs> I think we talked about even if it was a joke. I think there was some worthwhile. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we There's always good jokes should have some depth of meaning behind it anyway. So I know I know uh, was it John Wilson? I know he's making a joke, but at the same time, like sometimes silly questions open up. You could have had a conversation on what the devil is. You could have a conversation on drug war. You could have a conversation on mm. cannabis as, as medicine or whatever this and that is. Those types of silly questions can open up hours and hours of conversation. So, good question. So, Thank good you. question. Yes. So, if you're listening at home, have a dialogue. Answer these questions for yourself. Mm -hmm. Just talk with your spouse or your kids if they're older. Shit. Friends. Get together and a answer those questions. <clears throat> Let's skip number three because it's again by Jonathan Wilson. And I think that might be... Um, I don't know if we're going to get to that one. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Sorry. Might have to, it might be a whole <coughs> podcast episode. So I'm going to okay. I'm going to table that motherfucker. Yeah, whatever you think. Let's go to Isdari Aristikon. I can never pronounce her name. She asks, I can't help but wonder why Jeff Sessions' name is in the podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my favorite question. <laughs> Clever. Uh, is he someone you secretly admire? Can I go on record and say no? I admire him a little bit. Uh-oh. Because well, you are conservative, as we established a couple episodes ago. I, if I said that, I didn't mean it, in all honesty. I said it to you, <laughs> and you... I'm not... You didn't want to... You didn't fall for the for the bait. Um, <laughs> but seriously? I mean, compared to the rest of his... Uh, Minions? Well, his staff... Compared to his staff right now, he doesn't have any... All he has is... Yes, man. I mean, I think 
Mike Pompeo recently, you know, showed that. That all of Sessions' Sessions's uh huh Jeff Sessions. No, Mike. Pom- sorry, Mike Pompeo just demonstrated that he's a total yes man. Oh, Jeff Sessions is. No, that he is. Oh, that Mike Pompeo. But Jeff is. Sessions isn't because he wouldn't. He recused himself from the Russia investigation against Trump's. So he stepped out of line a little bit. Yeah. No, yeah. he he realized that he had. I mean, ethically, he had to, you know, step away from the investigation. But but Mike Pompeo, right now, um, his un- unwillingness to protect uh, Mir- Maria Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't he doesn't have their back. Yeah. Um, in the State Department, mm. um, if uh, I-, I guess he kind of told Trump in private that you know. Yovanovitch shouldn't go, but he didn't public, public, publicly sorry, publicly defend her. Mm. Um, and sometimes you talk all this stuff, and I'm just like so lost. All these names, like who's that? Who's that lady from Ukraine? Oh, she State Department diplomat. All, all of those, yeah, yeah oh, right. I don't know. Uh, she was uh, ambassador to Ukraine. Oh, um, this is like a fucking soap opera. What's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> it is. And <laughs> you're I mean, saying all that, like, what the fuck? I don't watch enough news. Don't feel bad. I mean, I do too much. I mean, three hours a day. <laughs> you go deep, don't you? I just can't. I mean, you it's addicting. You're I can't addicted stop. to this reality TV show of hey, called because, Real Life. No, totally. It's like a, it's like a soap opera. It totally is, and it's da- you know, it's daily. Uh huh. No, it's seriously, daily. every day. Yeah. Um, because I would look at, I would look at someone asked Jeff <laughs> questions. Wasn't the DA? This is as much as I know. Was he the DA? District Attorney? Oh, the Attorney General. Attorney General. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that is. See, I don't even know. And all I know, <laughs> the only thing I know about Sessions, I could probably guess some stuff, don't get me wrong, but the only thing I literally know is that he said no good person smokes marijuana. <laughs> Which is a strike against him, for sure. <laughs> I mean... Well, it's the only thing you know, you're like, this dumb motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's totally on a scale, like, I would gladly take, you know... Jeff Sessions back. Like, Over who? Pompeo? Is that who the other attorney <laughs> general is? Who the fuck's the attorney general? We should do a quiz. I'm going to quiz you on who everyone is. I feel really embarrassed. I can't tell you who. The name of Pompeo or who Pompeo is? <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know way more than I do. I couldn't tell you who. There's too many damn names. It's like Days of Our Lives, except there's all these new characters all the time. So maybe it is like Days of Our Lives. My grandma used to watch that when I lived with her. That shit was always on. No, I like that. Yeah, crazy yeah. shit. Like everyone dying, coming back to life. Like crazy shit. Yeah. And then this is almost like the same. That's like, exactly how it is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck's going on? The president tweeted eighty times today. What the? Eighty? I think 80? that was a that was a high. I think that was. A I understand the eighty. But what the fuck are you doing to tweet eighty <laughs> times a, you know in one day? I don't care how lame your day is. Well, he's probably not working. That's kind of the point. Well, and this dude's going on a, on trial, and he's the president. Like I am a social worker, and I write books and do a couple podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm a pretty good rapper for a white guy. No, I'm just kidding. Not for I a mean, white guy. I would hate that. I hate that compliment. <laughs> You'd be good for a white guy. No, trying to be good. Anyway. And I would never tweet 80 times a day. And my job is not that important compared to the President of the United States. And I'm like, bitch, I'm too busy. 
how are you tweeting 80 times a day? I just got normal jobs and doing some other shit on the side. <laughs> how I mean, are you the president Im- of 80? It's impressive that you have much to say, that, that much to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're really saying a whole lot, but... <laughs> no, I feel, I feel he's just talking shit. I bet you could talk shit 80 times a day if you really wanted to. Good one day to do that shit. Put some shit in all caps. Make some stupid hashtag. Call something fake news. You could pull it off 80 times a day. But you probably wouldn't be saying nothing. But anyway. The sessions in Trump, they're not tight anymore. Is that the, the takeaway? Well. Kind of tight. Sessions. Uh, he's trying to get his Senate seat back. And at first, if I, if I followed the news closely enough, um, Trump said if he tried to get his seat back, that Trump would publicly attack him because Trump was endor- is endorsing somebody else, if I'm getting that right. But most recently, I think, um, you know, he's saying that, okay, go ahead and run. But I, will, I won't publicly endorse you, but I won't attack you. Mm. So I think they're doing okay. Yeah. Sounds like some Star Wars shit. <laughs> like all the, all the prequel movies, like Count Dooku and the Senators. And fucking Palpatine, and everyone's overthrowing everyone else. I never got into the politics of Star Wars. It was always just the relationships and the, you know, flying through the Death Star. That's what I I think it got more political in one, one, two, and three. It was more about politics. Okay, and I didn't watch those. Uh, I finally did. They're not as bad as I thought, but okay. It gets more into the political uh, shit that's going on with. I mean, Episode One turned me off. I mean, did it get better from there? Three. I thought three was better. Okay. Yeah, I thought three was better. One and two were rough. Charger Binks, man, I could slap that motherfucker. <laughs> he uh, was why I didn't watch two. Yeah, he was, he was rough. All right, so um, uh, to summarize, Mike admires Jeff Sessions, but we don't secretly admire him on the show. Well, Mike admires one thing about Jeff Sessions. Right. So to clarify, he's on a scale. I admire him more than Mike Pompeo. <laughs> I probably, if I had to pick Trump or him, I'd probably pick him. Maybe I don't, know. I don't admire Trump in any sort of way. Sessions, I would pick Sessions over Trump. Oh, I would, I would. Oh, no question. Yeah, that shit he said about weed was ridiculous, though. But I digress. Um, and Nate Lewis has a question. I think this is an interesting question. I'm not sure how to interpret it, <laughs> but we'll, we'll give it a shot. Uh, do you think? Do you think Christians hate? Jesus because he was a bum. End quote. And I'm guessing maybe does do Christians Why are you saying that Christians hate him? Yeah, I, I'm getting to maybe if you really understood who Jesus was, why do people hate the type of person that Jesus really was? Why do people hate the homeless? Why do he people hate why do Christians hate bums? Why are Christians so enamored right. with like prosperity and capitalism okay. and Okay, I got it. Yeah. That's what I'm in. Re- maybe I'm reading into the question. Um, that's that's, how, I, that's I, how I interpret the question. Okay. Yeah. Well, me too. Well, let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I think a lot of things come down to what is the Bible and whose Jesus are you talking about? If you want to be a Christian, I think that's where it comes down to. Primarily Honest. the Bible, I think. But then what you say about Jesus comes second. Who is Jesus? What is he like? What would his ethics be? What was his mission? Why did he die? Um, all these questions about Jesus. So, Christians don't hate Jesus. 
they have a very skewed Jesus, view of Jesus. I don't think they would understand him as the person who was the actual Jesus of Nazareth, the Palestinian Jew. Yeah. But I don't know if they see Jesus as that. The thing that came to my mind, I mean, just to grossly generalize, <laughs> in America, you know, most most Amer- most Christians are Republican. Yeah. I mean, that's well, would you say that's correct? Yeah, I'd say the largest group is white evangelicals. Like a pretty right? solid majority, right? Com- yeah, compared to all the other Christian groups. <laughs> They're certainly the loudest. They're certainly the ones we all think about when right. we hear Christian. And broadly speaking, you know, Republicans are not about, you know, government handouts. Um they're not they're not really into really into poor people i mean to put it bluntly um, it's just not their focus they don't care i don't think i mean they would say they care but it's more about autonomous freedom it's more about don't tread on me it's more about pick you up by your bootstraps i mean I, that's I, what they're thinking about i would think that the the republican part of their christianity would want them to yeah pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Right. That's just their focus. I don't think they think about poor people. No, I think they... Very often. They, they focus on their on their purity, on their work ethic, mm. on being a good husband, being, you know... Yeah. That's more their MO of what they're thinking about. So, I don't think that they necessarily understand the concept of being a victim of circumstance. Even if it's just being a... A, vic- a victim of your own personality. Like, <laughs> you know, you're a type A conservative because you were, um, you were created that way. I don't know. I guess that'd be another question is, uh, is, is do you have a choice over your drive? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. Over your worth ec- work ethic? <sighs> Maybe yes and no. Maybe some. A little bit. Somewhat. But, Maybe yeah. not. But the whole evangelical model is based on being a certain type. Of pick yourself up by bootstraps, be autonomous, go out there, be extroverted, be bold, so that you can go save grab souls. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't. I think Jesus had some of that, but I don't think that was his motivation. I think Jesus was bold. But there's, a, there's a lot of times where he's like, Jesus peaced out, went in the mountains by himself. He was bold, but he wasn't. Um, he didn't seem to be wasting a lot of energy saving souls. I mean, no. I mean, saving souls from eternal conscious torment like he was very uh he was very passionate about you know the kingdom of god and Mm. um living that way yeah but he didn't seem you know unduly pressed by yeah saving people from no i think i think his only pressing matter really i mean i think his biggest pressing matter was just trying to save his people from Roman occupation that was yeah. going to fuck him up. I yeah. think that was a big like in the very near future. In the very near future, and I think probably if he had to ask himself honestly if it was going to happen, he probably said, "Yeah, it's probably going to happen." But that, but still, then preach the kingdom of God because you can always live in the kingdom of God, even on the precipice of something horrible. You can still be present. You can still be a joy. You can still give thanks. But it'll suck a little bit. Yeah, it's going to suck a little bit. But again. That's my understanding of Jesus. That's your understanding of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It seems more accurate historically than the Jesus who was like, like talking to one person on, I don't remember, if it's Instagram or Twitter. And they're saying something about Kanye and Joel Osteen. And Kanye got 300000 <laughs> to play at Osteen's church. And her understanding of the gospel accurately was, yeah, Jesus wants us to prosper 
there for. Um, Joel Osteen, Jacob, Jacob Prince, Joseph Prince, kind of these prosperity gospel preachers that are like, if you just do the right things and pray the right things and God wants you to be rich. Right. Um, they do all that. I mean, let's, uh, you know, like John Oliver covered them on those, mm-hmm. send us all your money and you'll be blessed tenfold. So the seed money, I don't know if all those people are doing, I don't know if Osteen actually does that, but a lot of people do. I was just like, damn, that's your understanding of the gospel. That's, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, of course. Jesus wants us to prosper in whatever, but, but again, deconstruct that word. What does that mean? I mean, yes, yeah, spiritually, not religiously. <laughs> yeah. And, and even monetarily, yeah. if in a, um, I think, but I, but I think, I think his point on how you do that is by all being one and living in this way together, communally, voluntarily, opening up everything to each other. This is how humans should live. This is how we all prosper. There doesn't have to be haves and have-nots if we live this way. But you can't then take the message and be like, Jesus wants you to have a fucking yacht and a fucking. Like, if you don't have a yacht, then you're probably not saved. I mean, if you want to take it to that conclusion, yeah. Well, yeah, God, you're not blessed. You want to have a yacht, have a fucking yacht. But I don't think that has much to do with Jesus, what he was doing. I really don't. I mean, use some other justification. <laughs> I think if you have a billion dollars running an ethically sound company, you should you should have a yacht. I mean, you should have a yacht. You totally deserve a yacht. Sure, but but that would be that would be the bar right there. <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know if we answered that question. Do you think Jesus Christians hate Jesus because he was a bum? I think we did. I think we nailed it. So, I hope that helps Nate Lewis. If it doesn't, join our Facebook group and uh, follow up. If any of these questions, if you have answers, not only do these questions with each other, but yeah, hit us up. Join our Facebook group. Hit us up and um, push back and ask us things. Yeah. Are you on Facebook still? Uh, yes and no. I deleted the app for my phone, but I didn't do anything with my account. Okay. So if I tag you, you might get it? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll have to yeah, get it all set up on my computer. <laughs> okay, there you go. Which you I, go. I've got to admit is kind of a hassle for me. <laughs> but, I'll take it from here, boss. Oh, this one's good. This one's by Richard. Uh, I'm going to guess Maggio. I'm going to say it Italian, M-A-G-G-I-O. In in, an Italian word name, it would be Maggio, I'm guessing. Uh, Here's the question. (laughs) This one's funny. (laughs) If you were left alone in a room with John MacArthur and a Bible, what would you do? I don't know if that's exactly how I answered. This is how I paraphrased everything, but that's that's the gist of it. What would you do if you were in the room with John MacArthur and a Bible? I'm sorry, I don't know who John MacArthur is. He's the motherfucker who told Beth Moore and basically all women to go home. Okay. We talked about him. We've talked about him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. I remember that incident. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, God bless you for forgetting the name because we all should fucking forget <laughs> the name. Hashtag cancel, cult, cancel culture. Hashtag woke. <laughs> nice. I don't know what I would do, man. I wouldn't do shit. Wait, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> Are you listening, Jamal? <laughs> <laughs> we have a hotline. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, if you were left alone in a room with John MacArthur and a Bible, what would you do? I would point out all the universalist passages, I guess. Would you? Where would you go? Oh, I have no idea. I would have to. <laughs> I would have to Google it first. But I, I, I've heard from people that I trust that there's passages in there. Just so I'd probably do that. Just give him one of my books, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I gotta start rebuilding my library. And, uh, yeah, <sighs> I, I've thought about that a couple times. I was like, "Oh, Mike's books." Damn. No, you'll be the. My book really did get burned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least one copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, wh- what would I do? Good lord. Well, I know what he looks like, sort of. My first question, if I didn't recognize him, would be, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> that would just get him right. Why am I spending my time? Because he's got the Mac- MacArthur Study Bible, and he's like famous. Uh, who are you again? I'd probably say that anyway, just to be a dick. <laughs> That'd be one of my dick. I would have to use a dick mover too. Is it M- MacArthur? Ma- Ma- MacArthur? Is that is that Scottish? Right? Irish? And, and what do you what do you do? Sell insurance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like um, that. Oh, oh my goodness! What would I talk about with John MacArthur? I would really want to know what he thinks of the Bible. And why? And I would press them really difficult. Well, I would, I mean, why, define why, in what way is the Bible authoritative? Yeah. Where does it get, where does it get its authority from? That's what I'd be, be curious in. Yeah. Is it, does it get its authority by lining itself up with reality? Um, I would hope to ask a lot of questions. Because he gets smart. He's got a fake doctorate from some fake university. And, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's what I've heard. <laughs> don't sue me for slander. That's a slap <laughs> law, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I watched John Oliver. Uh, <clears throat> but I w- he's smart. I think he would have some a lot of answers. I would just want to press him on. I would try to think of some questions that maybe he doesn't hear or acknowledge. I think he probably gets a lot of biblical questions, probably some theological questions. But I'd really want to know, yeah, where does the Bible get its authority? And what do you mean by the Bible? Well, which Bible are we talking about? Which yeah. Bible are we talking about? And if we trust the Bible's authority, do we trust the councils and the people who put together the correct Bible with the correct translations? Are we sure the Septuagint was really um, correct? I, I, I think from what I've read from the Septuagint, which is what the, the Bible, quote-unquote, that they were reading in the New Testament, if they had a Bible, it was the Greek translation. Are we sure that translation's correct? And if it is, okay, that's fine. So now we're stretching out the theory of inspiration. Now now the people who put together the Bible are authoritative. Mm-hmm. But what about the people who confirm the creeds that put together the Bible that I mean how author who's mm-hmm. so then who's I mean how how big is this authority getting? And are we sure you're correct about who has the authority there? I'm not saying they don't, I'm not saying they do. I'm saying there probably is some inspiration amongst a lot of people, including those who put together the Bible. Which ultimately that brings up the question, why do you believe what you believe? That's a great question. I mean, I think every, everybody is going to have to answer, why do you feel that something is authorita- authoritative? Sure. Um, I mean, and I think that's very prescient in, obviously, politically. Why do, you, why do people, why do you choose not to trust mainstream media? Why do you trust Fox News? How did you get to the point? I'm honestly very interested because yeah. I, I don't I don't have an answer. I don't I don't either. It, there's probably a lot of psychological stuff. <clears throat> there's a lot of there's probably a lot of indoctrination. I'm not saying MacArthur's indoctrinated, but I think sometimes you see what you want to see, and you see it the way you want to see it, and what you already believe. Because we're also li- we're we're living so fragilely, <laughs> sentient beings on this planet. Mm-hmm. We're so fragile, and we want to grasp some sort of certainty. Right. And if we can be really certain about something and convince ourselves, we're going to see that pattern in all of life. Yeah. There's no er- error of the Bible. 
because I can explain all of them with some sort of explanation. And I'm so fucking fragile that I need that in order to be existentially secure. Same would go with Fox News, I think. Right. Because you're so fragile, I think you're looking for something that is eternal that you can hang your hat on. Mm -hmm. That you can say, okay, well, even if, you know, this body that I have isn't, well, maybe there's some sort of um, law or path that I could follow where I can be eternal. I mean, assuming that the eternal and the, you know, this thing that I call me, if there's any connection between the two. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so, too. I think that goes a lot, that plays to a lot of our, um, what Richard, uh, Richard, uh, well, Richard Beck talks about it, too, but Ernest Becker would talk about our death anxiety. And we, we need to satiate that. We need to make that, uh, we need to make that right. We need to create a narrative as a hero of something that that, that is true. And I think it's easy, or that we transcend the, the anxiety of death. We, we live on forever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Well, I think it just speaks to the fact that existence if, in and of itself is something that is good. I mean, right. things just want to keep on existing. And I think it's an easy out when you use something like a Bible or a Quran to say, well, this, is, this, this, this proves that I'm good. And if I can just, if I see it that way. It's very, lo no, in that way, it's very logical. It's, very, like I, it's easier. It's easier. Like to I just, see why people do that. Totally. But there's no reason why, why you have to make the stakes so high. Like, life is still, life still means something to me. Even, even if I didn't save myself from eternal conscious torment. Which like is, I, which I is the narrative the Bible plays, right? The narrative, yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> narrative of the evangelicals. Sure, of course. Where or the reason why people are so happy to be in heaven is because they didn't get damned to hell. Whereas I'm saying it's possible to live in heaven without needing the contrasting eternal conscious torment. Like, hell has no, no play on how much I enjoy eternal life. Totally. I enjoy my morning coffee because it wakes me up. It tastes really good. Yes, I mean, there was that contrasting sensation <laughs> of being sleepy and then wakeful, which is pleasant. But I'm not sure if I want to, you know, drag that contrast out to all of, all of existence, like, why like, it, you, like you need the possibility of not existing to appreciate existing. I don't, I, I'm not going to go that far. Do you think, do you think people who believe they grasp onto something like the Bible need to have, is there a correlation between a certain view of something, a fundamentalist view of anything and that need to have to defeat a dualistic proposition like heaven and hell? I think it all goes back to the ego. I mean, I think mm. I think everybody wants to be a savior in some kind of way. Um, yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the evangelical mindset, you know, feeling like a savior, which, I mean, don't they already have a savior in Jesus? I mean... Yeah, but then you get some crowns if you do some good shit. Oh, do you? I, I yeah. didn't hear that. You never heard that? <laughs> <laughs> Read your Bible, son. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder what the, I wonder what the conversation with John MacArthur would be like. Oh my goodness, it probably wouldn't be like this though. It probably wouldn't go like this. 
It's a little too abstract. I have to st- I'd have to stay focused with someone like that and press them, press them on some stuff. I feel like when you have a, a mindset like someone like John MacArthur, you can't really explore ideas. You can't have these conversations where they meander and like it's it's too exploratory. It's got to well, be no, very it, it's got to be very systematic and. I mean, if the Bible is the only only thing that matters, I mean, if it all gets weighed against the authority of the Bible, totally. What kind of conversation can you really have? No, yeah, it'd have to be, yeah, it'd be a boring one. I gotta say, I gotta say, it would be boring. I would do it. Would you? Would you actually talk to John MacArthur or someone like that? A really fundamentalist, someone who knows a lot of shit, or would you just not even want to do that? It would depend on my mindset i mean there yeah there's sure there's certain times when i just wouldn't wouldn't care to say fuck yeah. it yeah let's, <laughs> let's have a conversation like like right now i wouldn't mind having a conversation with john MacArthur. <laughs> he could be our first guest no. it all it all depends on how much energy i have <laughs> i think it would take a lot of energy <laughs> anyway let's uh let's knock out uh, one more at least here yeah. <clears throat> we got a question from adam McBroon. That's a good one. Is there a subject you're afraid to tackle and why? He asked about if there's a subject we're afraid to tackle on Heretic Happy Hour or, Heretic Happy Hour or this one. But um, I, I can only answer for Heretic Happy Hour, and we can answer for our podcast. Well, here's the thing. This seems like a gotcha question, because if we talk about it, we're talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> we might out ourselves. I don't think there is, honestly. I, I, there's not. A, there's not a subject I'd be unwilling to talk about. I don't know if we're going to have the most in-depth, rigorous discussion about whatever that might be, but we're going to have a discussion about it. And if we drink enough rum, it might get a little meandering, like <laughs> like we like we tend to do. But I'd have a conversation. Is there something you wouldn't want to do? You don't have to say what it is, because then you're out yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's. That question is kind of a catch twenty two. It kind of is a catch twenty two, isn't it? Like but, if I if I really don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to talk about it right now. And you're not so, going to an- answer honestly. And if I talked about it, then well, I, I wasn't you know afraid enough not to talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a place in time. I mean, I like to be really, really forthright and open and vulnerable mm-hmm. in my writings, but it's not a hundred percent. Well, I think there's, I think there's a difference between being honest and being totally transparent. Totally. And I'm, I'm fine with being honest, but being totally transparent. Nope. To ask, I, I don't agree to that. To Sorry. ask the question in a different way. If the bonfire sessions was not recording right now, would you talk? Would you potentially talk about something that you wouldn't talk about on the show? And yeah. I would say absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And we have. Yeah. But these are two different things. These are two different things. This is true. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think anyone can accuse me of not being honest to what I believe, what I think. But there's like five people who know the deepest shit. (laughs) And again, there's a difference between being honest to who you are and then how you choose to advertise it or how you choose to... Nobody has to know. Yeah. There could be benefits to even being completely vulnerable. That could be your thing. And I, 
But I think even those people who would be who would un, uh, unveil the deepest, darkest secrets of their lives, <laughs> I bet they're still lying. I bet they're still holding on to something. Maybe not in their personal life, but I mean, if I hate they're to creating... say, but I think they're that's just one of the things that they don't really care about that much. Or maybe I mean, if if they ah, shit. But is there a subject that we would not tackle? I don't think there's a subject we wouldn't tackle. If you got to the generalities or something. Well, is there a subject that you wouldn't tackle on air or a subject that you wouldn't tackle on with your closest friend? That's different. <sighs> I mean... It depends on how general you mean by subject. I would talk in generalities <laughs> about anything. I would not talk about yeah. specific subjects that maybe I feel or happen to experience that I would talk about with everyone. I, I think I think on either show I would talk on the Heretic Happy Hour or the Bonfire Sessions or even in books I write. I would talk openly in generalities about any subject. Philosophical, theological, even personal. I'll talk openly in generalities. But I think you'd have to be very intentional about how you say it. Because then people always read shit into stuff. I would talk more specifically with you off the air about a specific subject that deals with me personally or something that I'm going through. And I would reserve that to you, Lindsay, but even, even with your wife, like, and I'll, and I'll say this, maybe this is vulnerable too. I will talk to you differently than I would even talk to my wife. And I'm not saying I would hide something from my wife when I wouldn't tell from you, but I'd probably talk about it in a different way. I think we all have, everything's relational, right? So we would say things in different ways to different people, even the most vulnerable of shit. Mm -hmm. No, I would say that your relationship with every specific uh, person in this world is going to re reveal something different about you. Mm -hmm. I mean, different people are going to bring out different things in your personality. Yep. And I think naturally along with that, you're going to be honest in different kind of ways. You're going to be... Yep. This is the beauty of the universe is that honesty is on the spectrum. And it doesn't mean you hide something. But it means you reveal to some in a different manner than you would reveal to your select group of people that you really trust mm -hmm. or person or a very small group. Mm -hmm. For me, it's maybe two or three, actually. I don't even think it's five. But I'm not dishonest to the people that I would talk about on this podcast with. I would just say, I don't have the same relationship with you. And that's okay. That's okay. You can still be vulnerable mm -hmm. and transparent to a degree, to a degree. But I would talk about anything. What's the most controversial thing we could talk about on the show? We do politics a lot. We do theology a lot. We do universalism a lot. We do Bible a lot. What do you think? Aliens? We did aliens. <laughs> I don't think it was that controversial. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything that we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, I think yeah. universalism is still pretty controversial. It still is. It still is. And Donald It's not going to be in 20 years. It's not going to be. Probably not. Uh, maybe not as controversial. I don't know. Within certain circles, sure. I honestly don't know how to read that. I mean, it seems like things are getting more divided. They, yeah. At least poli politically. Politically, sure. And religion tends to bind itself to politics. So. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? It's interesting that, that oh my gosh... That so many people would like divide over something like that. As if your identity revolves around shared beliefs or some shit like that. That's just such a unfortunate way to live, isn't it? I mean, 
to some degree, shared beliefs, but like I should be able to say to the really, really staunchly conservative, but at the end of the day, let's just love each other and respect each other. And then that has to look like honest and respectful and, but we would just divide over that. No, that's not enough. We got to believe the same thing about this and this and this. And I think over time it's gotten more and more. I think back in the day you could be like a Democrat or a Republican and divide over certain things and you're still good. You're still like, you can talk to each other. And now there's like so many things that we have to agree to, to be in that camp. It's not that we've gotten more divisive and we have, but it's not that we just simply gotten more divisive. I think we've added to the things that we divide about. And so of course, most of us are going to divide. <laughs> that is my layperson's person's um, critique of modern culture. <laughs> But what the fuck do I know? We got any more questions? I think we can tease out one. Do you want to do one more before we wrap up? I gotta pee. You have to pee? I really... You really have to pee? <laughs> Go tinkle, my friend. It's really good. That's true. How was your tinkle, my friend? It all came out. So it was a success. <laughs> so it was a success. Let's do it. Let's do one more. We got one more question. It's back to Jonathan Wilson. And we're going to have to tease this one out because, I mean, it, maybe it's good that we asked this after the last question because it gets a little personal. So here, here's his question. Have you ever had any mystical experiences? That's my paraphrase. I, he wrote a little more, but that, that's what I, that's what I gleaned from it. Have you ever had any mystical experiences? Have we, t- we've talked about it on the show a little bit, haven't we? I wouldn't be surprised if we have. It's hard to remember what we talked about. We banged out 30 episodes, which is 30 hours of talking. <laughs> and it's hard to remember. But, um, yeah, I, I, I have had some mystical experiences. I have had some, some experiences that I can't uh, intellectually put into words. And even if I try, it, it falls terribly short. It wouldn't do it any justice. No, no justice. Yeah. No justice to the experience that I've had. And this is where... A lot of people think I come at things really rigorously in, in, in an intellectual way, mm-hmm. but I think that's just more of what I talk about. I, I kind of keep, I'll talk about them. I'll be vulnerable. I'll be transparent to a degree, like we said, but I've had some experiences that I can't, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about necessarily. And you have, you and I have talked about them when you, <laughs> it's getting dark, so I can't see your face and I see the screen. I'm trying to turn on the brightness, <laughs> but I know you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We've had some experiences. That, yeah. I mean, <sighs> I, I guess I immediately interpreted that as like good spiritual experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I've just kind of, I've been thinking about experiences that you and I have had that weren't necessarily positive, but they def- definitely revealed things that were spiritual. Yeah, I think sometimes you need to learn some stuff that's a little difficult. You know what I mean? Like, you might not want to do that every day, <laughs> but so it's this needed. Is, this is the only example. This is the example that I came up with. I mean, divorce, while not not a good experience, it can be a very spiritual experience. Could be. If you have, if, like, if you're, you know, willing to learn from the experience. Sure. Um, sure. And you and I haven't been through a divorce. But I've been through a divorce with my parents. So, and uh-huh. a severed relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And you experience it in a different way. Uh, totally. 
And it's a, it seems like a negative experience, but you could turn it into a positive. You could learn something from it. I think we need to learn. We need to be able to recognize that bad experiences, what we call uncomfortable experiences, terrible experiences, suffering. You can still learn something. You can totally and, still learn something. And if it was, uh, you know, a really important lesson, I would say that's a pretty huge spiritual event. Totally. Um, okay. I mean, if anything is important, everything is important. Like, even if it was in an aspect of life that you wouldn't necessarily consider spiritual, I, I just think that your that your definition of spiritual is a little small. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think spiritual applies to every facet yeah. of life. Everything. Um, yeah, totally. Can I give an analogy? Yes, please. The um, the dissonant song that when Elevator in Silmarillion <laughs> makes the creatures that sing the original song that brings creation, you know, I, I'm fucking up my Silmarillion dorkiness. And there's the one entity, I forget his name, who sings out of key. Hmm. He sings the dissonant, and that's the fall. That's his fall mythology, hmm. is a dissonant key. Do we learn something by having the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy? Because of that dissonant key, and without that dissonant key that he sang, would we have ever had that story? Mm-hmm. We we wouldn't. I think that's like one of the final lessons right there. <sighs> maybe. Learning that maybe, perhaps, even evil belongs. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one. The privation maybe, of good. Perhaps, yeah. Like I, I hate. I, I hate I, to say it. I hate to say it. I hate to suggest it. But we suggested tentative, tentatively. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. I'm not going on. I'm not making a, a book on theodicy about this. I'm just saying it makes sense. It makes sense in some sort of way. In, I hate to say that, man, but doesn't it? This is how I think about it. This is my analogy for like. <laughs> well, it's that if I don't know. Eastern religions, don't they kind of talk about balance? Is Wouldn't that kind of be... I mean, balance doesn't necessarily have to be perfectly symmetrical. Right, but right. Well, I mean, the whole the whole Buddhist Four Noble Truth is the balance. I mean, but it balances in, out suffering. In some... How do you mean? Well, I mean, you got the Four Noble Truths of there is a suffering, there's a path, there's the cause of suffering, a path out of suffering, and the end of suffering. So they recognize that, you know, there's a balance of sorts. This exists. This is here. There's a path out of it. There's a way out of it. And do you learn something from that whole experience? I think the Buddhists would say. I would say. And I'd say, yes. Yes, we do learn something out of that. But it's not necessarily like you're not always going to have, you know, these categories that, you know, balance themselves out. I mean, it's no balanced in the sense that I mean, you need you need dark to understand light. You need um, chaos to understand um, order or peace or peace. And I mean, those aren't those aren't quantitative things. So no, but you, you have to. Yeah, I, I think in one way you have to have one to appreciate the other. To some degree, like in some way, in you some need way. you need to appreciate you need to experience a little chaos to really appreciate peace and to always work for peace. Yeah. Like it's the experiencing chaos that might be, you know, the ultimate impetus, you know, to 
pursue peace because chaos is so awful. Right. I always think about, like, if you think of the analogy, if you're Trinitarian in your theology and you've got, like, the Father and the Son, let's just say that, and they're like, well, what is what does forgiveness look like? What does grace look like? Grace is in the midst of chaos. Forgiveness is in the midst of chaos. Mm. Mm. Without, without actually doing that, it's just theoretical. That's I mean, all it is. If it's, if it's grace in the background of grace, can you really point out the grace? Totally. I don't think you can. But if it's in the midst of... I like complete horror and you still give grace. That's a different experience. I'd say, I, I hate to say this. This is another time for a different episode. We can end on this. Maybe. Okay. Did God learn something by having to forgive something before having to forgive something? Could he have only talking about it? Talked about it. Theoretically? If nothing else, he learned what the experience was like. So then it changes. Doesn't that change your um, perception of uh, omnis- omniscience, all-knowing? Does all-knowing mean that it's all-experiencing? Well, not not until you experience it. Uh, exactly, yeah. No, that that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. So that seems to be a pretty huge argument against judging anything. Um, yeah, a lot of things. Right? Yeah, maybe anything. you don't really know what it's like to uh, let's just say resist alcohol unless you're like the ultimate alcoholic. <laughs> totally. Unless you're unless you are programmed to really, really love alcohol, you don't know what it's like to um, realize that it's going to kill you, and you you totally. can't you can't uh, live by alcohol anymore. So judge not lest you be judged, man. If you're in the circumstances of someone else who has a different program, like a different genetic code, different experiences mm-hmm. that are way shittier than yours, shittier than yours. And I'm just <sighs> right. And my point would be that, you know, everybody, everybody is coded, created differently than you are. But uh, they're 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 created to have a weakness towards substances that Something. you're not. And yes. One of the one of the most terrifying. Sorry to keep rambling. One of the most terrifying experiences I've had mystically is that everything that I call bad or evil is within me. This goes back to what is the devil? It's all within me, man. And yeah, it can be something collaboratively, and we all you know all that stuff. We can talk about the devil later. Um, but the real the shit I really need to work on has all to do with me. So don't don't even don't even spend your time judging other people, because everything you got to do and deal with is internally. It doesn't lessen the victim of circumstance. It doesn't lessen uh, all that kind of stuff. The interconnectedness of human human humanity. But what I really need to worry about in terms of sin, in terms of <laughs> this and that, is internal. Or maybe to put it different way i mean everything everything that you experience is in one way internal i mean yeah your your judging of other people's shortcomings that happens within you totally um (laughs) totally it's actually a pretty huge realization that what you're judging other people on most people aren't i mean it's your own narrative that's yeah 
uh, creating that judgment. Damn, sobering. And you don't, I think I really kind of assume what other people are judging other people for. I think there's a lot of, I mean, that's, you're making an ass out of <laughs> out of you, out and, of me. you and me. That's, that's how the saying goes. It's there's true. a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions going on. A lot of assumptions, man. So judge not, motherfuckers. Uh, that was good. We got more questions. Definitely. I got a whole list of them on my Facebook. And we oh, will, for sure? Yeah, we will hit them next time. Nice. But thank you for your questions, and uh, I hope we, I hope we at least answered to the point where you can think about things and, and have your own conversations. That's a, that's the point. And the bonfire sessions, like we said in a on location episode, is all about creating your own bonfire sessions. This this show is nothing if if it's not just you and me talking, Mike. It's and, supposed to be a water cooler show. Exactly. Something that, that you talk about. Exactly. So do your own bonfire sessions and join us in the conversation. So keep asking these questions and answer them. Join our group. Like Look it up on Facebook, the bonfire sessions. Join the group and um, say some shit, you know. Ask follow-up questions. Give your answers. These conversations are so needed. We need to be talking more. We need to just have open-ended conversations. And that's that's what this is. That's what we're all about. So, yeah. And um, we all try to not be uh, very dickish. You get five, you get five a year. That's all you get, and then you go to hell for all eternity if you if you pass that. So don't be a dick, but you get grace <laughs> a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit of grace, not a lot, just a little bit. <sighs> and it, no, I'm just fucking around. All right, peace and love, everyone. <laughs>